1976 that my wife and four kids and I came up to uh, Kaitaia and uh, we enjoyed four years up here before we went to the Philippines and uh, so it's a pleasure to be able to come and speak with you again and to see smiling faces. Uh, We used to meet mainly in the supper room and then uh, for a little bit, the last six or eight months before I went overseas, uh, we started to meet in here because we didn't fit in there. So uh, that's good, and it's good to see a good number of smiling faces here today and to see a people that love the Lord and want to worship him. And and I just want to really encourage you to to live for Jesus. Uh, God sometimes speaks to us in funny ways. Two or three months ago, I was asked to speak at another church, and I wondered what I should speak on. And when I was sitting down thinking about it, God brought into my mind a little hymn that I'd learnt as a four-year-old kid. And I thought, yeah, there's something in that. And then as I was sitting thinking a bit more, I thought of something that had happened to me when I went flatting as a first-year school teacher in Wellington. And it put the two together. And I want to try and melt those two stories together. Jesus' commission to the disciples was, you are the light of the world. Let your light So shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I love that because it's simple. The little hymn that uh, I remembered was Jesus bids us shine. With a clear, pure light, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, so we must shine. You in your small corner, and I in mine. And looking back, I've come to see some tremendous truths in that little hymn. There was a time when I would have liked to have made that chorus, Jesus bids us shine with a blazing flame, doing signs and wonders all in Jesus' name. Um, Yeah, church, this is your hour. Let's save the world by using his power. Something like that. But early in the charismatic move, I saw some people who wanted to be bonfires, not lights. And when they tried to be bonfires in their own strength, they burnt out. They lost their faith. You see, Jesus knew what he was doing. He said, be, you are lights. And the lamps he would have 
been thinking of at that time would have been the small clay lamps. You see, lamps exist to give light. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved to do good works. You know, and that's one of the disciples said of Jesus. He went around doing good and healing who were oppressed by the devil. And then the next little bit, for God was with him. Now, two things here, doing good works, which is letting your light shine. And God is with him. That's God's part. You see, Jesus himself was the light of the world. And he wants us to take his light to the world today. We are the instruments God chooses to illuminate the minds of men and to enlighten the world. You see, lamps come in all shapes and sizes. And as I look around here today, we come in all shapes and sizes. Hey, and it doesn't matter the shape or the size or the qualifications or whatnot. Some lamps were very ornate. Some were just little clay pots. But they both were capable of giving a good, pure light. You see, it's not the appearance of the lamp that's important, but it's the quality of the oil that's in the lamp and the condition of the wick that burns. And the lamp or the light that Jesus had in mind was one probably something like this, or the next one, a simple lamp. You can't get much simpler than this one, can you? Looks a bit like a mask. (laughs) But uh, just a little, couple of little holes, one to put the oil in, one where it can sort of breathe, and the other one, the front one there, is where you would put the wick. There's not much to go wrong with it. It was common, it was serviceable, you didn't need to have a top grade technician for it, and we don't have to be fancy or flashy in order to let our light shine for Jesus. In fact, often it's when the lamp is simple that people take more notice of the light rather than when the lamp is fancy, and it detracts from the light. So there's a couple of things that we need to look at if we're going to be lights for Jesus. Hey, do you think we can all be lights for Jesus? When I, when I spoke this at Milford Baptist, a couple of older folk came up to me at the end and they said, hey, Evan, that's great, you know, we can do that. We can, we can burn bright. For Jesus, it's, it's what he made us for. So the first thing as a Christian to be a light, we must have oil in my lamp. 
Give me oil in my lamp, a constant supply of good oil that comes from fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I've got here a couple of uh, little things or daily devotions, prayer and the Bible. Now look, this isn't Bible study. This isn't praying for Uncle Sam and Auntie Jane and Brother Bill and the State of the Nations. This is relationship-building prayer. When I sit down and I chat with Jesus, I had a little time, I still have it most days, that I call coffee with the king. And I sit down with my Bible. Well, now I use my iPad because I've got a Bible in my iPad. And a cup of coffee and two ginger nuts. And I dunk my ginger nuts. And I talk to God about what's coming up for the day. And I talk to God. I might read a psalm or something. Often a verse comes into your scripture. It's not study. But I just talk to Jesus. And I remember one time when we were up in Redan Road. We used to live up there, 20D, away up a driveway. And I was sitting there looking down Victoria Valley one morning and just having my coffee with the king. And God spoke to me about what we should do for our church at that time. And you know, when we tried to do it, it worked. And it happened. I'm not going to go into it now. I haven't got time. But you see, when Jesus was here, What did he do? He often went into the lonely place. And what did he do? Talk to Father. What did Father do? Yep. Showed him what to do. Uh, And that was Jesus. He did. Jesus did what the Father showed him. And then he came away and went down the road and ministered to the people. Because he had good oil in his lamp. Although he was the son of God, he was also totally man. And he had to be, so that we could follow him. If, if he had come to earth just in purely his divinity, we could never follow him. But he came totally as man, but with that connection with his father that we miss out on because of sin. But so God could show him. So it's our main responsibility to maintain a clear uh, uh, supply of good oil. So that supplies the light. But then there's a quality to the light. Our little hymn said, with a clear, pure light. And this is important. You see... The problem is with lamps, the flame can get smoky and flickering. But as long as there's oil, good oil, the problem's with the wick. So we need to trim the wick. It's our sinful human nature that's the problem and causes a Christian's flame to flicker and smoke. It must be dealt with. We've got to 
deal with it. This is why we're lamps, not bonfires. We've got to have that light that's not all smoking. Bonfires, you can't control them. God, um, lamps, God can control and, and he can take us where he wants us. So our sinful nature is the problem that causes our flame to flicker. So this is an inner battle, and we have to win our inner battle. I think you folk up here like football, rugby. You've got your tanifars down there in Fomeray. <laughs> Not doing too well, are they? But every week they have a match, and they're pitted against another team. But I want to say this, that every day the spirit within you is pitted against the fleshly nature that we inherited from Adam in our hearts. Day by day in the arena of my mind, there is a spiritual battle going on. The lust of the flesh against the desires of the spirit. And you know, we desire who wins. It's our choice. We can, we can make it. You see, it's in the uh, Romans 8, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. We've got a choice. What's your mindset? I made a bad mindset. I was studying medicine. And I had to make a choice to set my mind on rugby or medicine. This was in the days before professional rugby where you made money at rugby. And I decided to set my mind on being a good rugby player. Just before the end of the season, I was laid out two Saturdays with concussion. I've never been able to play it since, and it ruined any hope I had of going and continuing at varsity for a medical. Mind you, I don't think I would have enjoyed it anyway. I'm quite glad I'm not. (laughs) But... I made a wrong choice. So we've got to overcome these works of the flesh uh, because if they are still in our lives, stay in our lives, they will ruin it. Uh, We we just now have a look at them. Uh, And the the works of the flesh are these, and uh, I think you've got the... Whoopsie, can we take back that Galatians 5.24? We can't. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, turn to uh, Galatians 5. This is what it says. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentious jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Wow, not a nice list. 
You see, I'm sure sometime you'll hear some sermons on how to overcome these things. I'm just going to deal with it quickly today. But you see, here we have problems of sexual perversion, getting into the occult. Uh, We have um, problems of violence. We have problems of false religious stuff. And we've got escapism. All problems of the flesh that hinder us from showing out our light and letting it shine. You see, we've got to realize that we have a potential to sin. These are things of darkness. Uh, Have any of you ever gone into a room and turned on the darkness? No. You can't turn on darkness. What do you do? Turn off the light. So if you want to deal with darkness, what do you do? Turn on the light. Now, there's a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to attack the darkness. Really, what we need to do is to turn on the light. And when we turn on the light... That is when we can overcome the darkness. I had a problem. Uh, As most young men do uh, with sex. Not doing it, but thinking about it. In the wrong place. And I was sitting at home one afternoon, and I saw a family photo on the, on the windowsill. And that family photo was faded. You could hardly make out the people in the photo. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, it's the sunlight coming in that has faded that sharp impression. And when I thought of the things that caused my problems with my sexual thoughts, they were things that had been put there by impressions of things I'd looked at when I was a kid. So I thought, what am I going to do? I'd tried fighting it. I'd said, I'm not going to do that. I declare it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to put it behind me. God gave me a couple of scriptures light. And when my head, mind started to go that way, I'd say, stop, I'd stop. At this time, I was a lawn mowing contractor in Auckland. And uh, if, you know, you saw somebody walking past and you got the wrong thoughts, I'd stop my machine. I'd say, Lord, that is sin. I am wrong. Your word says thou shalt not commit adultery. And if I commit it even in my heart, That's as bad as the act itself. That was light. And I said, the the verse from Job, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust on a maiden. I said, Lord, I shine that into my heart. Shine that on that picture that started this. And as I did that, over a period of months, the problem faded 
light brings victory over darkness. And if you've got some works of the flesh, some of those ones that we read, that are causing your light to flicker, they're causing your light to be smoky, they're maybe even causing it to just about go out, then start putting God's word, the light of God's word in. And when you do, then you will get the victory. Avoid going to places that stimulate temptation. You know, when we're tempted, it's not the devil that does it, it's ourselves. What's in us? That's what tempts us. You read James chapter 1 verse 13. Each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires. So, we've got rid of the old by shining the light. Now we've got to put the new, because you can't live in a vacuum. Once you've got rid of the old thoughts, you've got to get the, the new ones in. How do we do that? Once again, by the light. You see, we take the word of God, we read it, and we meditate on it, and obey the word, and new attitudes are put in uh, into our minds. Um, we could say this, uh, let me just, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on the fruit of the Spirit, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now that's a compilation of two verses from two different epistles. But I put them together because they're both talking about the fruit of the Spirit. They were both written by Paul, uh, so uh, that's the way it goes. So you see, by exposing sin to the light of the Word and exposing my heart to the light of the Word that builds up my spirit, I am changed, as Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see... The thing is, we are not just God's message, or we don't just speak God's message, we are God's message. Have you ever thought of that? You are God's message to the world. You see, we've got here as an arrow of truth winning souls. Picking up a bit on this in Church Unlimited, that this is the prophetic side of bringing people uh, of, to the truth. You see, and you can read that quote there from, um, from uh, Stephen McCracken. We're not the message, but we are a prophetic people who declare a message and we become it. You see, Solomon knew what he was talking about. He said, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. And as we deal with the works of the flesh and put on the fruit of the Spirit, so we shine brighter and brighter, and we are becoming the message. You know, that's an important part of it. But there's one other problem that we can have. We are living in a world of darkness. 
and the world of darkness is trying to put out our lights. People found that little clay lamps were not very good in a storm. They were blown out. Some bright spark thought of putting a chimney around them, that glass bit there in the hurricane lamp, to protect them from the storm. God has given us protection from the storms that come to try and put our light out. What is the protection God has given us? Shout it out, I'm deaf. The armour of God, true. So that's it. You know, uh, we live in a hostile world, but he's given us a belt of truth to hold us all together, the breastplate to protect our heart, the helmet to protect our mind. And so we can be lights for him. God calls us first to be a light, but he is the power. Now, can we get this one up? And uh, oh, Okay. <laughs> I had a little lamp before this big one. We're going to go back to that experience I had in a flat in Wellington and just be a couple of minutes. For the first time in my life, when I went to Wellington, I went to take a shower and there wasn't a hot tap over the bath. There was a thing on the wall with a little flame in it and you had to turn a handle underneath this. And when you turned the water on, it started to go through that caliphant, and all of a sudden there was a, an expulsion of gas and an explosion in the caliphant, and the thing started to burn, and it heated the water. <laughs> Now, what has this got to teach us as we seek to be lights living in the world? I think it teaches us that life is not always about explosive demonstrations of God's power. But it does teach us that when we walk as lights, little lamps, in the presence of God, and when we let our light shine, then when it's God's time, the Spirit falls, and the power of God is evident, and a miracle happens. See, Jesus, I believe, was like this. He went up the mountain, spoke to the Father, came down, he was walking along. He let his little light shine to a blind man. What do you want me to do for you? I want my sight. What did Jesus do? Hey, come on, folks. We're going to have a healing meeting. No. Look, I'm not against healing meetings. They're good. 
But what did Jesus do? Very simply. That's okay with me, son. Be healed. Power of God. He was seeing. You know, he was with the widows at the funeral. Oh. He speaks. Arise. Not a big thing. He was light. And when he did what the Father wanted him to do, the power of God moved. The water in the caliphant started to boil. Peter and John were just walking up to the temple, letting their light shine. Just little fellas, they weren't notorious at this time. And a fellow says to them, Hey, can you give me arms? Peter says, Sorry, I'm not dealing in arms today, but I'll give you legs. Rise up and walk. Okay, you see, simple, short prayer, being lights, doing what God wanted them to do, and God acts, and and we get healings. But you think back in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego were men who let their light shine, and think of what God did through them and for them. Back then, we see uh, Daniel, David, Nehemiah, Hey, just an ordinary guy. He was manager of food and beverages for the king. And he gets this vision of going back to Jerusalem. Yeah, God opens the way. And all along, he and Ezra, they could say, the good hand of our God was upon us. They let their light shine. They followed their light. You see, when we let our light shine at any time we live with Christian integrity, then while others are living the way of the world, we shed light, whether it's religious life, secular life, politics, or whatever. You see, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. What's this one? When we all shine together, we become a lighthouse. None of us can do it alone. We all need one another. So, here we go. If we're not lights here, we won't be lights out there. See, that hymn said, you in your small corner... And I and mine. But our small corner is New Zealand. But you know that Church Unlimited has the idea of and beyond. And we want to do that. So, as we come to the end of our talk this morning, I want you to take care of your lamp. I must take care of my lamps. The quote I've got is a misquote. Tend your lamp, for it is the nature of lamps to go out. That's a misquotation from, um, I've got his name here, I should remember it, General William Booth, who said, tend the fire, for it's the nature of fire to go out. 
Folk from Church Unlimited, Kaitaia, tend your lamps. Tend your lamps. And if you're doing that, you're having your time of fellowship, you go out, you do what God wants you to do, you'll find. With just simple prayers for people, simple witness, simple testimonies, great things will happen, stuff that just a little light can't accomplish, but the power of God can. As I was praying this morning, uh, I was looking out uh, over towards Kaitaia from where we stayed with Paul and Sally Ann last night. And there was a, a mist all over the, the lower bit, bit there and over the vineyard. And uh, I, I looked and I felt God say, pay attention. And as I watched, I was reading some scripture. I looked up again, and you could just see the vineyard. I went away, looked up a minute or two later, and there the sun was up, you could see everything. I believe there's somebody here this morning that your future... Where you're going is a bit of a mist. It's hazy, it's misty, you can't determine your way. But I want you to know that God knows and he will soon open the way and it will become clear. Have your coffee with the king in the morning.